Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear a Sunday sermon along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our Old Testament reading today comes from Judges, chapter 6, verses 33 through 40. This can be found on page 224 in your Pew Bible. Then all the Midianites and the Amicalites and the people of the East came together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abezerites were called out to follow him. He sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet him. Then Gideon said to God, In order to see whether you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said, I am going to lay a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not let your anger burn against me, but let me speak one more time. Let me, please, make trial with the fleece just once more. Let it be dry only on the fleece, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. During the summer at DPC, all of our sermon texts are coming from the Old Testament book of Judges. More particularly, we are focusing on three individuals who bore the title of judge in ancient Israel. And they were persons who not only settled disputes, they were ones who on occasion would lead the people into battle. During the month of July, our focus is on the judge Gideon. And as we have already seen, Gideon wasn't thrilled when God came to him and told him he was called to be a judge in particular because he was to lead the people to safety and freedom from the Midianites. That message had come to Gideon via an angel, and upon hearing it, the man had requested that God provide a sign to prove that, in fact, it was God who had sent the message. And God honors that request in a sign that is dramatic and clear. Gideon then is told by God that he is go, to go and tear down an altar that had been built to Baal, the fertility god of the Midianites. And even though he's reluctant to do that too, Gideon carries out that responsibility. Everything goes well, and he is given a new name of Jerob Baal. 
Our passage comes immediately after those events. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and people from the east came together and crossing the Jordan, they encamped in the valley of Jezreel. What a terrifying sight that must have been to see this army all assembled before Israel. And yet, we are told that the Spirit of God fully takes over Gideon at that point, and he blows the trumpets. He calls forth troops of his own people, in particular names four of the tribes that are to provide the manpower needed to be engaged in this battle. And then he goes out to meet the army that has assembled before him. This is Gideon's big moment. This is the first time that he is demonstrating that now he is the judge, the leader of Israel. It's the biblical equivalent of the time when Dwight D. Eisenhower stood before the Allied forces on D-Day. And so it is time for Gideon to make a bold speech to encourage those who are about to engage in battle on God's behalf. And had this been a Hollywood script, the music would begin to swell at this point. The camera would pan over this valley, showing the two armies assembled, and then it would zero in on the resolute face of Gideon, perhaps even with wind blowing through his hair. <laughs> That's not how it turned out. For in the moment when the troops are awaiting word from Gideon of when they are to start, he turns to God and says, Lord, if there is to be victory in this battle, as you have promised, I want you to do something. I'm going to lay down this piece of fleece on the threshing room floor. He goes on to say that if, in fact, in the morning the fleece is wet but the ground is dry, that he will take that as proof, as a sign that, in fact, they will be successful in the battle ahead of them. And, we, and when he awakens, it turns out to be just as he requested. One would think that that would have been enough for Gideon then to go and summon the troops and begin the battle, but no. He turns to God again and says, Lord, don't get upset with me, but I have something else I'd like for you to do. Another test with this fleece. And this time, he wants it to be just reversed. As he says in the morning, he wants the fleece to be dry and for the ground to be wet. And for reasons that aren't explained to us, God honors that request too. And it is just as Gideon asked. Now, Given some of the drama that we have seen in the Old Testament, we wouldn't have been surprised if at that second request there had been this lightning bolt. Or rather this voice from heaven saying, you're done as Judge Gideon, I'm bringing in someone now who will lead the people, but God doesn't do that. 
And instead, what we have is this glimpse of God responding to two prescribed tests. This is different, actually, from the moment when Gideon first got word from the angel of this new responsibility. In that time, he had asked God for a sign, but he left the particulars up to the Almighty. Yet now, on two times in a row, he has spelled out exactly what he wants God to do. And God has chosen to respond. It's very different from what we see in our New Testament reading. In that moment, Mark is telling us about a time when some Pharisees, those ultra-pious, observant Jews, come to Jesus with a demand. They say, we're told that they began to argue with Jesus, is they want a sign, they want to test him, they want irrefutable proof of whether he is the Messiah or not. Now, in some ways, it's not a surprise that they would ask that. Just prior to the scene, Jesus had fed 4,000 people with a few loaves of bread and fish. Mark and Matthew, the only two Gospels that tell us about this miracle. There's also that more familiar feeding of 5,000 that came with the food of a, a boy who was in the crowd. Elsewhere in this Gospel, Jesus offers clear signs of his power, healing among others, one who is paralyzed, one who has leprosy, and a woman who has suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years. This is the same gospel that has Jesus depicted as walking on water, as calming a storm at sea, and raising a child from the dead. And yet, when the Pharisees come to him and demand a sign, Jesus sighs and says, why? Why does this generation keep asking for signs and he refuses to give one and he walks away? That, that response is also surprising. And yet what both of those scenes make clear to me is that from the very beginning, human beings have been known to demand or ask for signs from God. Years ago, there was an associate pastor in the church where I was a member. His name was Herb. Herb had a terrible time in those days making decisions. Uh, that's no longer the case. Uh, on my most recent sabbatical, I got to visit with Herb and we got caught up on what had happened in the intervening 35 years. But that wasn't the Herb of 1982. For in those days, he always let other people make the big decisions, or he would let circumstances unfold until they simply resolved themselves. And so knowing that about him, you can understand the angst he felt when he was trying to decide whether to propose to a young woman. They'd been dating for a while. He knew they loved each other. They had much in common, but he was just in agony about whether or not to propose. So one day, he is driving in his car. He's thinking about what, whether or not he should in fact pop the question. And he decides that if God plays the song on the radio again a second time consecutively, 
he will view that as a sign that he should propose. I, I think the sign was, Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life. <laughs> so after kind of mapping that out in his mind, he, he held his breath as the song wound down and then listened in dismay as the DJ said, you know, we get so many requests for this song, I'm gonna play it again right now. <laughs> Herb describes it as being so stunned that he almost drove his car into the ditch. And yet, true to form, he still wasn't sure what to do. And so the situation was resolved as the young woman broke up with him. He ended up marrying someone else. Gideon's situation was different than that. He had two signs posed of God. And actually only one of them would be considered a miracle. People in the Middle East will tell us today that if you were to lay out a piece of fleece at night, many times in the morning, there's enough moisture to, in it to wring out and to fill a bowl, as the Bible tells us happened for Gideon. No, the real miracle of those two requests was the opposite one, of the ground being wet and of the fleece being dry. And yet, what that scene also reveals is that even as we seek for God to ask, act in clearly discernible ways, we are the ones who have to pay attention to what comes next. The scholar in writing about this passage said this, like Gideon, we yearn for signs, both ordinary and extraordinary, that God is alive and at work in our lives. The story of Gideon reminds us of God's graciousness in giving us those occasional signs and glimpses of God's presence and power at work in our lives. Sometimes those signs are natural and ordinary glimpses of God's quiet blessings that are always there but often go unnoticed or unappreciated. At other times, and more rarely, the scholar said, God may give us a more dramatic and extraordinary sign. Others may brush off such experiences as coincidence or blind chance. But the eyes of faith may perceive them as the hand of God. I am convinced that the one who made heaven and earth continues to create, not only in nature, but also in the events of our lives. And sometimes it takes the form of those ordinary kinds of events or things that happen, but they happen in kind of an unusual way. And then there are these other times when things happen that, that get our attention precisely because they are out of the norm. However it is that God is acting, though, the question remains of whether we will see those moments for what they are. On our recent trip to Nova Scotia, Lori and I and her brother and sister-in-law, we spent three nights in this delightful bed and breakfast in Halifax. 
He was owned by a couple named David and Liz. And the location was just perfect for the day trips that we had. But among the best parts for me were the conversations that we had uh, with our hosts. They are both natives of Ireland, having come from the same small town, and have lived in Canada now more than 30 years. And pre-COVID, they would make regular trips back home. And David recounted for us one time after he was back in the community and was in the grocery store, this kind of town where everyone knows each other. And he's standing there at checkout and sees this man he hasn't seen in decades. And as they're going out, the man says, good to see you, David, and then walks out the door. <laughs> Liz one day was talking to us and the topic turned to these sort of unexplained things that happen in life. Maybe it was because she had just learned that I was a minister that she then chose to share something that had been part of her journey. She'd grown up in a Catholic household in this small community, and she said in their home, there was this small painting of St. Teresa, a nun from the 19th century who was in a convent in France. Sometimes she's known as the little flower. Always loved that painting, Liz said. And after my mother died, we were back there for the funeral, and I wanted to get that painting. And it had been stored in the attic in a box, and I wasn't really even sure I was going to be able to find it. But when I walked into the house for the first time, the painting was there sitting on the floor, leaning up against the wall. David and I were happy to take it home with us. And a year or so later, we were desperately hoping that we would be the ones chosen to adopt this little girl. The mother was too young to take care of the child, and so the grandmother had been given the task of selecting which couple would be able to adopt her biological granddaughter. Apparently there are all kinds of couples who, who filled out applications and submitted photos, and the grandmother selected David and Liz, sight unseen. And so when they came to pick up the baby, they were, of course, intrigued to know how it was that she had chosen them. And she said, it was when I saw the print of St. Teresa on the wall behind you that I knew you would be wonderful parents. And Liz looked at me and said, no one will ever convince me that that was a coincidence. Friends, the reality is that God continues to create, continues to work in our lives, sometimes in response to the very thing that we have requested, and sometimes amidst circumstances that we had no idea would occur. And it's none other than a timid ancestor in the faith named Gideon who suggests that as we journey through these days, that we should always pay attention. Let us pray.
We give thanks, O oh God, the mysterious ways you continue to work. We thank you for those times when we have recognized your activity and have gone in the direction that you intend and pray for eyes of faith to see those other moments that will come too. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.